Today's guest is Ronnie Dawson. He is a UFO experiencer and alien contactee. His story was featured internationally and he's made an appearance on the NBC episode of First Look with a panel of UFO experiencers. Ronnie's also the author of the book Ronnie Dawson UFO Story and he has his own YouTube channel. Ronnie, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you taking some time out to visit with us and tell us your story. Thank you. It's good to be here. Mm -hmm. It's an honor to be here. Thank you very much. All right, Ronnie. So let's just jump right into it, my friend. The first day you saw a UFO, what happened? It's Yeah, it's it's crazy because, you know, I've been working in the rural areas of the oil field for like 30 years, and I've seen everything there is to see out there. And, and I always thought, well, I've never seen a UFO. I've seen meteors and everything else, but never UFO. I was kind of a skeptic. Yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden in 2009, I started seeing these lights over the trees. They were just floating over the trees. They'd come on, they'd go out, they would sequence. I've seen them drop to the ground from 200 feet and then two seconds later pop straight back up 200 feet. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen lights get joined by other lights and then they all disappear together. And then later I started seeing some UFO craft associated with the lights mm-hmm. and uh, i thought man you know there just wasn't anything using common logic that could explain what i was looking at so i was thinking you know it has to be and i and i was reporting it to move on and stuff like that but i was kind of scared because i'm a hazmat driver mm-hmm. and uh i was like man i don't want people to think i'm crazy or you know, thing sure. like that. i can't afford that you know Right. When you were looking, nobody wants nobody wants a hazardous material driver <laughs> that, that chases UFOs. You know? Right. When you looked at those lights, did you feel and you said you're seeing them over the trees and stuff? Can you just kind of give us a visual? Like, how far do you feel those lights were away from you? Was it a long distance or and or were they close and small lights? Yeah, they looked like they were stars, like they might be far away. Then all of a sudden they would just go out, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, hold on. That mm-hmm. wasn't a star. You know, stars don't just go out unless a cloud passes in front of them. Mm-hmm. And then and then I seen them move, you know, start moving above the trees. And I then I realized that what I thought was very far away was actually very close, like 100 yards away, moving over the treetops. And these mm-hmm. treetops aren't that tall. So and it was like, OK. That I don't know what that is. It's not a plane. Nothing I could figure out, you know. And then it would just the light would just go out, you know. And I'm and I'm out so so far in the middle of nowhere. And I'm a drone pilot. I know what drones look like. And it's I would be close enough you could hear it. You could hear the blades on a drone. Yeah. And I'm out in the middle of nowhere. There's no house in there, and I wouldn't dare fly my drone out there because you'd lose it in the trees, you know. At right. night, no way, you know. Right. And uh, so and I just kept seeing these lights doing weird stuff and and. uh it was like, I'd always see them. It was like, you know, every, I work Wednesday nights and every Wednesday night, sure enough, man, I'd see them. Wow. And then when I started seeing the craft, it, it got kind of spooky then because I, uh, the first craft I seen was, it was a, it was a big black area over the top of this rural, uh, rural, I guess, vacation home or something. Mm-hmm. Nobody stays in it except about two weeks out of the year. And I seen this big, what looked like a cloud of black smoke over the top of it. And I thought maybe the place was on fire. So I said, well, I'm going to, you know, I may have to call the, call the fire department. Mm-hmm. So I came up to where I got a better look at it. And then I seen the UFO lights come on it. And then it started drifting away from the house. And I was basically following the thing. 
and I had this camera and I was fixing to get a picture of it and the lens opened and then the camera just froze and died. And I, and I know the batteries were good and everything. And I, I couldn't take a picture of it and it just sat there and I got a really good look at it. It was in the late afternoon. It wasn't even at night. Hmm. And this thing was, was hazy black. You couldn't see anything on the surface of it. And, and finally it just, it just blinked out. I mean, it went from where you could see it and, it, and this thing was huge. It had to be 50 yards long. Hmm. And, uh, and uh, man, at 20 feet thick, maybe. Cause I mean, in the afternoon, I was probably within less than 300 yards from it. And it just, it got hazy and just went clear. Like you could see right through it. And I just figured it's probably still there. It just used some kind of a physical cloaking or something. Right. And, and inside the black smoke, these lights came on the same white lights that I had been seeing, uh, all over the treetops and stuff like that. So, you know, that was the first UFO I'd seen. And then I, I started seeing other ones too, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I couldn't get a really good look at them. And the frustrating part was, MUFON had challenged me to get some pictures and I had a camera with me, mm -hmm. but every time I seen them, it's like this, this, you're looking at these guys, but these guys are looking back. And, uh, every time I would break out my electronic device and point it up, they would just, it would blink out. It would just like one of them tilted and then just took off. Mm -hmm. And it was before my camera could even get it, get pointed at them. It was mm -hmm. like, whoever it was, was looking back. You know, and they weren't about to let, let me get a photograph of them. They weren't going to sit there and make it easy. Right. So did you hear them? We were UFO hunting. Me and this buddy of mine said, all right. I said, I mean, I said, I've seen, I've seen like two crafts this in the last seven days. I said, I said, help me get a video of these things. And I said, I had this high power green laser. I said, I want to take this green laser and I want to shoot it around the craft to see if I can see the light being, if it's, I figure if it's been in the, the fabric of space, that the light would appear to be in, you know, so mm -hmm. maybe associated with the crash propulsion system or something. So I was wanting to get, I was wanting my buddy to get the camera and video record it. And I wanted to shoot the green laser around the thing and see if we could record the laser beam beating. Mm -hmm. I mean, a 250 milliwatt laser is a pretty powerful green laser, a little more powerful than you'd want to use in a classroom. And it, right. it'll shoot a visible beam in, at night for over two miles. So right. that's we didn't have those. to get all that close. I think that's one of those astronomy yeah. so, lasers. Anyway, yeah, it's 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 pretty powerful. Let me stop you there real quick. On all these times that you saw craft, did you ever hear anything? Nothing, never. Mm. They they never made not a whisper of a sound. Okay. You know, I could hear my truck running, but not not anything from the craft. All you know, right. as close as I was, yeah, you would have been able to hear something. Right. And the way they just hovered, and they moved real slow. They weren't in a hurry to to get away. You know. Now I've seen them. They tilted. I seen one of them tilt. It tilted, and then it just it made a sound like a fly would fly into your ear, just a buzzing sound like that, and it was gone. I mean, it, when the lights were on, when when they take off, the lights go out, and then you you can't see anything. And I heard the buzzing sound, and the lights go out, and it was gone All right. quickly. And All right. and anyway, so anyway, this craft showed up. It was a four-light craft, and it had looked like it was maybe it had to be like seventy-five yards long. It was a big one, and and my friend seen it. He goes, "My God, man, look at it! What is that?" And I said, "That's it, that's it," you know. And I started shining the laser around the craft. Now, my buddy, we worked it out. He's supposed to have been recording while I was shooting the laser around the craft. Mm -hmm. And then I told him, I said, "All right, man, 
So I'm fixing to shoot the laser onto the crap and we're going to see if it's reflective or whatever, you know, see and see what happens when it hits the crap. And so I shine the laser on the UFO. And, and this thing, when it hit the UFO, it just absorbed it. I mean, it absorbed every bit of that laser light. I mean, it looked like the laser light just stopped, you know. You couldn't see any reflection or anything like you would on the side of a car or nothing. It just absorbed all the light. And I looked over at my friend. I said, my God, I hope you're getting all this. And he's sitting there with his mouth wide open. He had never seen a UFO, and he was just gawking at this thing. And the camera was like three feet from him. Right. And <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be recording this. Yeah. And he's like, oh. And he grabbed the camera, and sure enough, it did just like the other ones did. You know, by the time we grabbed the electronic device and got it up, pointed at it, it just blanked out. The whole thing just went dark. Right. And uh, nothing. But the next next night is when I had an alien home invasion. Right. I think it was probably because of what I did that night. What I did the night before was shoot the laser on the craft. The next night in my home, I had an alien home invasion. Mm. They, they, they basically uh, froze me in my bed where I couldn't move. And I, I had just laid down to go to sleep. It wasn't like I had any time to go to sleep. I laid down in the bed and I, I had lights on in the house where I could get up at night and go get a drink and go to the bathroom without falling over stuff. So I leave enough lights on and I was a bachelor at the time. Mm-hmm. I only live in there with my cat. And, um, anyway, so I'm, a. Uh, I lay down that bed and I noticed that I can't get up. I'm like, what the heck, you know? Mm-hmm. And I heard stuff breaking in the kitchen and I'm going, what is going on? I, and I couldn't, I thought I was having some kind of medical issues like, uh, I don't know, maybe a heart attack or something, because I couldn't, I was, I was paralyzed in that bed, and I couldn't move, and I couldn't figure out why, and I felt perfectly normal when I was laying still, but when I would try to raise up, it, it, it was like a force was, like, holding me in place, mm-hmm. and the harder I fought, fought it, the more it hurt to fight it, and, uh, and then, like I said, the, I heard stuff breaking in the kitchen, and then I thought, well, you know, something's wrong with me, the cat's in the kitchen and then, you know, breaking stuff. And I'm going, and then all of a sudden the cat runs in there to where I'm at and jumps into bed with me. Mm-hmm. And he's looking back out of the door. Like there's something down the hallway, freaking him out. And, I'm, and then I still, he's in the bed with me and I'm still hearing glasses and stuff getting knocked over in the kitchen. So I know there's something in the house other than me and him. And, and pretty soon I seen him run by the door and these little bitty things and they were they were running on all four and they were so fast that you couldn't even see them man i mean they just zipped by the doorway and i'm going my god what in the world could move that quick and then another one there was like two of them in there and they were zipping back and forth like going one side of the room back to the other side of the room they were i could hear them opening drawers i could they knocked over a lamp on the computer and broke the bulb in it and uh they were just ransacking the house, it seemed like. And and then I looked, and I seen one of them run across. It runs sideways across my vertical wall. I mean, just sideways. It run up the wall and run right across it like gravity didn't even affect it. Wow. Then I seen one run up the wall and then push off the ceiling and come back down. And I and I was sitting there going, my God. You know, as long as this guy has, this has to do something with what went on last night. You know, right. I'm, I'm realizing now, okay, I know this is, I know what, who, what these guys are and I know why they're here mm-hmm. because I shined that laser mm-hmm. on the crap last night. Yeah, you got their attention. 
Let me ask you this. Anyway, yeah. Let me ask you this, Ronnie. I saw a picture of, I saw some of the pictures in your book and it looked like one was a drawing kind of like a dog-like figure, something that was on all fours. Is that picture from your drawing what you're describing? That picture was a, a year after they invaded my house. I had a, a year after they invaded my house to the day they invaded my house. I was at work down around Coleman, Texas, and uh, and I seen a UFO down there. First one I had seen in a year. I'd almost thought I'd never seen anything like that again. And all of a sudden, I seen this UFO, and this thing, it blink out, blink on. It got pretty close, and, man, I got some pictures of it. I was excited. And uh, then all of a sudden, this thing, it looked like it landed on the ground, and I recorded a video of it, and it, it, it went about 200 yards and back down to the ground, and then it shot up in the air and went about a mile in two seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I play with rockets. I know, you know, you know how, how fast a rocket is. My rockets go a thousand mile an hour, and this thing, they couldn't have touched what this thing did. Right. It went a mile in two seconds. I mean, mm-hmm. my rockets take three seconds to go a mile. Wow. And uh, I'm going, my God, man, that thing, and it stopped. Just it just stopped right where it went a mile and just stopped. And right. then the lights went out on it, and then all of a sudden. They came back on again. This time, this thing appeared over the field about a hundred yards from me, and that thing was starting moving at me. And I never had, and I've never had the lights like come this close. And I'm, and so I started, I was started watching it with fascination, going, "My God, what is it? What is it?" I'm getting some pictures of it finally, and then I looked up and I seen this disc shape overhead, blocking out the stars right over the top of my head. And man, it just sent sent me into a panic. Because mm-hmm. I, I, re- I wouldn't even, I didn't even think about it, the lights being associated with part of a disc craft. But when I looked up and I seen that disc shape moving over the stars, man, I tell you what, my knees started shaking so bad I couldn't do, I couldn't hardly pull off a walk. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to run. I wanted mm-hmm. to run to the trees, man, and get away from this thing. But my knees were shaking so bad I couldn't hardly pull off a walk. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I got to get down. I went off that tank, and I was just kind of hiding under the tank. And then I looked up, and I could see the craft was over the top of me. And I thought, man, you know, these tanks are explosive, and I've just pulled oxygen into them, making them more explosive. I was loading this this load of crude oil, and uh, I thought, man, I got to get away from these tanks. If this thing blows up, you know, I'm going to burn to death. Right. So I walked a little ways from the tank and hit it behind this metal separator. And then all of a sudden, this big white lights came on in a compartment underneath the disc. And uh, as scary as it was, I was too scared to run, but I managed to get my camera out with my shaky hands and I hold it, held it still as I could. And I snapped a picture of that thing of the compartment. And in that compartment, there's something looking out of the port, that porthole window. And, uh, and, and, and this something is not human. Hmm. Let's go back to the first time you saw them in your house. I was just trying to see what they look like. After that, after that yeah. happened, weren't you freaked out about that, or I'm surprised you didn't get PTSD or something? Well, you know, the reason they came into the house, and the the home invasion stopped when they got to the point where the laser was being kept, and I had the laser in a locked gun cabinet. Okay, and uh, and like I said, they one of them stopped right in front of the door, and this thing looked like it was about two feet tall. It had it had like a humanoid looking face, but it had an exoskeleton that looked more like an insect. And the hands on and on this thing looked like an insect. All right. And it run on all fours and it stood up slowly on the two back two legs 
And this thing had an exoskeleton on it. And the exoskeleton, I was, I mean, this thing's 10 feet away. I could see thorns on the exoskeleton. Like if you would have grabbed this thing, it would have tore your hand up. It had these thorn appendages sticking out of this, this shell-like covering on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got a really good look at this scary looking thing at 10, from 10 feet away while I was paralyzed in my bed. Mm-hmm. And, and my cat was like freaking out as well. Finally, they came into the bedroom where I was sleeping. They, they run up underneath the bed. There was three of them. They run up underneath the bed and they started shaking the hell out of that bed. It was, I mean, they were lifting the bed frame, the mattresses, me, the whole thing, shaking it, almost picking it up and slamming it down to the floor and just scaring the living hell out of me. And uh, so, man, I thought I was going to die, really, you know. Yeah, I don't blame you. So they found your laser pointer in your gun case? And that, yeah, they that unlocked the gun case. Some, they unlocked that gun cabinet. Every drawer in the whole house was open. Every cabinet in the whole house was open. The, the gun, the locked gun cabinet was was open. They opened it up, even though it was locked. Because when they finally, when I was laying in bed, I, you know, I got I was so scared for so long, it built into a rage, and I'm like, you know, I'm either gonna break free and kill these suckers before they kill me. Mm-hmm. and I tried to fight that force that was holding me down so bad it almost gave me a heart attack. It, it felt like my heart almost quit beating, and and I laid back in the bed. I just said, okay, I'm at your mercy, boys, because there ain't nothing I can do, but mm-hmm. I had tried to get up, and I was going to – I was really angry. I was I was going to scream and grab this golf club out of the corner because I know – got a gun cabinet right here, but I know it's locked, Yeah, and it's not – ain't got time to go looking for the key to it. Right. And so I grabbed – I wanted to grab this golf club, but I couldn't do it. I had tried. I couldn't do it. And, uh, and so I just laid back in bed at their mercy. And then I heard them go over to the gun cabinet. I heard them digging around over there. And I realized that they had gotten it open. And I thought, okay, they're taking the laser. It's all about the laser. And uh, and the funny thing is when they released me from being frozen in that bed, my body was like a robot. I jumped up out of that bed and I cussed and I grabbed this golf club. And I was I was mad. Mm-hmm. I had tried to do that five minutes earlier. It was like they blocked the signal from my brain to my body mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. And when they released me, that signal got processed, and it freaked me out because it was like my body was acting like, on like a robot, you know, without me giving it permission to do this. This is something I tried to do five minutes ago. But anyway, I had the golf club in my hand, and I was mad as hell and i thought well might as well go on an alien hunt you know so i went walking through the house and seeing everything opened up every drawer every cabinet and the whole place was opened up there was some stuff knocked over and broke and i when i when i came back in there i seen that the gun cabinet was open and i almost like was kicking myself like man i've got access to guns right here and i'm walking around with the golf club and uh i was thinking man you know you could have had a gun Anyway, I looked over there in the gun cabinet, and I thought, that's where the laser was. And I bet mm-hmm. the laser is gone. Well, I, I got up in there and looked around, and there's a laser. They did not take it. Now, whether they looked at it, I don't know. I was surprised. I was almost surprised it was still there. And maybe they did just examine it and left it. I don't know. Right. But I, I thought it'd be gone for sure, but it wasn't. Right. But it was a year later that they come back a year later at work, and they and that's when they approached me at work. Well, okay, this thing, it had me so scared it finally it started backing away because I thought I was fixing to get taken. This thing started backing away, and then the lights went out. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Then I heard I could hear a military jet coming and it passed right over the top of me. I mean, I could see the jet itself pass right over the top of me. Wow. And, it, and it went right to where the UFO was. And I thought it's fixed to be a fight. It's fixed to be a collision or something Well, the jet just made a big sweeping turn and headed back to Dallas Air Force Base in Abilene. And I thought, well, you know, I thought the long ranger had come to rescue me and, and all they mm. did was come over there and just made a big circle and left and, and uh, then before the craft was even out of sight, the UFO came, UFO lights came back on hmm. right out there in the same place. It was right where the jet was. Hmm. And now the lights came back on over there. And then the thing, it moved to the side and then it went out again. And 10 minutes later, I noticed these lights starts firing down out of the sky. And it was like a cluster of lights. And I thought, man, is that a cluster? Is that a, a group of jets coming down or what? Well, anyway, it started getting really close. And I thought, okay, whatever this is, I'm going to get a look at it. Right. But this thing, it started sweeping over the top of me. It came out. It, it's almost like the, the color of the sky started changing color. It was like a fog bank started appearing where these lights were. And this thing came rolling out of this fog bank. And what I thought was going to be a small craft it turned out being – this thing was a V-shaped crap. It was a, probably a mile long in full total length. And this thing went right over the top of my head. It, and I got a good look at it. It probably wasn't 500 feet straight up. Wow. It was a V-shaped mile. Each half, of the, each half of it was a half mile. Each half of the V was a half mile long. So this is a big crap. It filled the sky, blocked most of the stars in the sky. And if it would have fell to the ground, it would have crushed me, the tank battery, the truck that I was driving, the whole area. And it wouldn't be no hiding this thing. I mean, this thing, you would have had, man, it's like an eighth of a mile thick. It was in a V shape, a half a mile on each leg of the V. And this thing started going over the top of me, and it looked like solid rock in the bottom of it. So for a second, I thought it was the meteor. I thought, man, this is like the killer meteor just came in to wipe us out. Mm -hmm. But the thing was, it, this thing started slowing down, and then it almost came to a stop. And then in the front part that came over me first started tilting up. Then it was rising up in the air like a skyscraper. Then it was going straight up. And and then when it got almost vertical, it shot off again. It shot off to the side, and it took off so fast that the, the, the steam and smoke that it had created coming into our atmosphere. I'm thinking this thing was cold, was hot or something, and it – or it was cold from outer space coming in. The warm air was causing fog off of it. It's what it seemed like to me. And it, when this thing took off so fast, you could see the fog and the, the fog rolling over the sides of it like water over a waterfall. Hmm. Being swept over the sides of it. Wow. And this thing took off and it went a mile and it banked. And I had my camera out. And I was looking in my, in my screen going, come on, come on, show me something, you know, because I knew. All the pictures and the video I had already taken, I was already getting warnings that my memory was full. This is 2011. This is before the smartphone. This, this was a flip. I had a motor. I had a Motorola flip phone, and it was about as good as it got back then. Right. Not many phones had video capability like this one, and I spent extra money to get this one because I'd been seeing stuff and I was wanting to get some pictures, you know. So this was like a top of the line military grade. Motorola phone is almost like the rugby, if you're familiar. It's an AT&T Tundra phone right. uh, made by Motorola. And it was, just, it was about as good as it got at the time. And anyway, this thing, it went away, about, it went a mile away, and then it banked. When it banked, I could see the top of it for the first time because I'd been looking at the bottom of it. 
and the bottom was solid rock with burn marks and craters. It looked like the surface of the moon as it was passed over my head. But okay, but a mile away is this thing back, bank back towards me. This thing had a city, looked like a city built on the surface of it. Mm-hmm. Man, there was buildings, there were structures, and, and you can see some of the pictures that I, in my book there where I've I've taken the video and I've got the steel frames and I've zoomed in so you can see what's on the surface of this thing. And this thing looks like it never been touched by human hand ever. And those creatures that you're that you see in the pictures, all of those came from the surface of this thing. Hmm. There's like three or four different creatures on the top of this thing, just riding right on the top of it. You know how you know you couldn't ride on the top of a jet, you couldn't ride on the top of an airliner. And one of those creatures that that the insectoid thing, it has to be forty feet because it the picture is taken from a mile away. This thing is taller than everything on the surface. It's towering above it. This wow. thing has to be as tall as a telephone pole, if not taller. So you're looking at a forty foot insectoid sitting on the turf the surface of this thing while it's moving. How is that possible? It's not possible. Not by anything we know is possible. Right. And the four-legged creature that you were looking at, at, from a mile away, that thing would have to be, it would have to be, gosh, 20 feet long and 10 feet high, you know? Mm-hmm. So these, these things are huge. Well, that's interesting how they change sizes because it, it sounds like they were much smaller, obviously, inside your house. But then yeah, the craft, well, I've they, seen so many different ones. Well, I found out later because finally – now, I finally had, they finally contacted me in 2017. Okay. That was 2017. They made first, they made first contact. And that was, a, that was a weird, it was very weird the way they did it. And, and, and the thing is that these guys are from where they're from, they're close to the galactic center and there's a black hole very close to them. And I think they just say, if they find intelligent species that are fixing to die, they save them. It's like a rescue. You know, right. they find intelligent life, they rescue them. And then they're at, they all work like a federation together. They're like mm-hmm. a federation of different species. It's the only thing I can figure. Well, how did they and, contact uh, Because you? there's so many different ones. Mm-hmm. It's none of them. I never saw a little gray alien like, you know, the common gray alien. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one of those. Everything is different than those. Right. Uh, the little one's face kind of looked like that, but they they were like only two feet tall and they had this shell on them, you know, that was, uh, but you know, their face kind of looked like the typical gray alien that everybody talks about, but I've mm-hmm. never seen like the typical gray alien. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I've tried to get pictures every chance I've got, but in 2017, they paid me a little visit at my home. I was working nights and I came home and I was, I was sleeping pretty late in the morning because I'd worked most of the night. And, um, like I said, it's daylight. I'm still sleeping probably nine o'clock in the morning when all this happened. And uh, anyway, I wasn't even dreaming. All of a sudden, I had this dream that there was somebody pulling on my arm, and then I slipped loose and I fell back to sleep. And then all of a sudden, I thought, man, that was a weird dream. And then all of a sudden, it started happening again. There was two, there was like two females pulling on my arms. And, and then one of them looked me straight in the eyes and said, said help us. And I, I thought, well, I'm stuck. You know, so I struggled to get loose from whatever. I felt like they were pulling me out of a manhole. Right. And I, and I struggled to get loose. And what they were doing, they were pulling my consciousness out of my sleeping body. Oh, and wow. they pulled me out of my sleeping body. And then the first thing, and I'm going, no, thank God. Thank you. Thank you so much for helping me. Mm-hmm. 
And the first thing they started doing was apologizing. They said, we're so sorry for disturbing your rest. Said, we're not from your world. We're from another world. And we need to have a conversation with you. It's the reason that we've came. And I looked and I said, what? And I said, I think they're talking about they pulled me out of my sleep. And I looked, and there's, there's somebody sleeping in my bed. I don't know for a fact it's me, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going, what? Oh, somebody in my bed. I don't know who it is. Uh-huh. And then I realized I'm standing knee deep in my bed. Uh-huh. And when I tried to take a step to go look at myself, I fell forward and my hand landed on my own knee that wow. was laying of the guy that's laying in the bed. And then all of a sudden my hand went through, it was almost like I broke his leg and my hand went through the bone, through the skin. And then I could feel the softness of the mattress underneath it. Well, I jerked my hand back, freaked out going, my God. What? And uh, <laughs> so these, these two aliens are weighing me out of my bed. Look, look, they were helping me out of my bed. Like I'm drunk or something. Right. And they helped me out of my bed, you know, and then I'm realized, okay, I'm actually wading through my bed. And, and you have to realize this, where this place is at, it's like you have a little mass, but not very much. It's like you can sit on a bed or you can walk through the bed, mm. you know, and you can walk through a wall like it's not even there. And I'm sitting there having a conversation with this. And then the strangest thing happened. Okay, my wife comes walking through the bedroom, going to the bathroom, and I see her plain as daylight. Wow. I'm going, you know what? <laughs> and, they, and I look, and they say we're from a different world. And I was looking at this one. I thought my wife's playing a joke or what? And and then I looked at the other one, and she she was. They were both females, but one of them, her nose and her mouth came to a, like a like a, a cat's mouth, and she had whiskers coming out of her top lips that had been like clipped, hmm. and. And her, she had a mouth like a cat, but her, she had a face like a woman, and her a body like a, two arms, two legs, stood upright. But when I seen her face up close, I'm going, "Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not kidding. I don't think these girls are from around here." Right. <laughs> and then I see my wife, and, I, and then my wife was walking back, and, I, and they said they. They said, this is where we watch the people of your world from. Said, you cannot hear. Said, they can't hear or see us. Mm-hmm. Said, we're here. This is where the people from our world are going to meet the people from your world because we're safe from viral and bacterial contamination and uh, safe from physical harm. And this mm-hmm. is where the people of your world and the people of our world are going to meet. Mm-hmm. And then sense. all of a sudden, my wife comes walking back out of the bathroom and she stops and she's looking at, towards our direction she freaks out one of the aliens and, and one of the aliens says it to the other one she goes can't she see us and the other the, the tall blue alien said no no she's looking at him she pointed at my body in the bed and my wife paused for a second and then she just continued walking and i asked her later i said why did you do that she goes well she goes you have some sleep apnea issues and and sometimes you stop breathing for like a minute and it worries me so i just when I walk through here, going to the bathroom, I stop and pause for a second until I see your chest rising up and down. I know you're all right. Mm-hmm. See, I never knew she did that, but I, I was sitting there watching it, and it freaked that ET out because they they were they thought she was looking at us, right. but she wasn't. She was just looking at my sleeping body in the bed next to us. Right. So, so I'm here. I am having a conversation with two aliens, basically, right. Right in, the, right in my bedroom, and my wife's walking through, and I can see the clothes she's wearing. I can see the light coming in around the windows in the bedroom. I can see the light coming from the bathroom, the light coming from the kitchen. Everything 
looks just like I'm away, but I'm not in, I'm not completely. When I looked at my hands, I could see my hands and, and, and that the, the female cat lady, she was like holding my hand ever since she pulled me out of the bed. And I don't know if she was like afraid I would run away or if she was just friendly or what, but she, her hand felt like she was wearing a welding glove. So when I looked at my hand, I could see my hand. So I wanted to look at her hand. So I, I let go of her hand and then, and it act like it kind of hurt her feelings that I was, refu- you know, didn't, I was refusing contact with her or something, you know, it kind of act like it hurt her feelings, but I, I looked, at her hand and she had pads like you'd see on a cat's foot between every digit of her finger and on her, on the palm of her hand and on the heel of her heel of her hand, mm-hmm. like pads, like on a cat's foot. And that's mm-hmm. why her hand felt like she was wearing a, wel- a, a welding glove, you know? So I was looking at extreme detail because I'd always heard, you know, you won't, you can't, if you're dreaming, you can't see detail. And so I was looking at detail and I could mm-hmm. see her, I could see the detail of her hand perfectly well. Well, I'd, I'd heard it. They'd always told me that, you know, if you ever get a chance to talk to ET, and I'd thought about this when I seen the UFOs and stuff, what I, what I would say if I ever got a chance to contact them. They said, if you ever get a chance to talk to them, to ask them how they got here. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I think Stanton Freeman told me. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Stanton Freeman at the Roswell UFO Festival, and he said, ask them how they got here. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And so I said, can you show me? Can you show me how you got here? Mm-hmm. And she goes, and that, like, it kind of annoyed her that I would even ask, but mm-hmm. she goes, yeah, yeah, we can show you. And she instructed me to walk through the wall. She goes, you can walk through the wall. And, but right where the, my wall is at, there's a, there was a picture over there with a piece of glass over it. And the glass was going to hit me right in the face. So I was, I was afraid it was going to break and cut my face. So I was going really slow and it act like it aggravated her. Like they were on a time frame, you know, a short time frame. Mm-hmm. She goes, you're all right. Just go, just go. Okay, well, I think there was some misunderstanding there. I think she meant for me to not walk through the wall, but to look on the other side of the wall. Because when I walked through that wall, I fell into outer space. I mean, I fell, I was in zero gravity, Hmm. and I was doing this forward, slow forward head roll. And off to my left, I could see this planet. And it had three major continents. It had thin oceans. It had... The the north and south poles of the thing were frosty, but it didn't look like it was covered with snow. And I could see that there was a big desert area, and there was like one very jungle-looking area that was closer to where the ocean was. Mm-hmm. And I could only see one inland lake and one large river that ran from the lake to the ocean. Mm-hmm. And you could see that the ocean had thin beaches on them. And, uh, and closer to the poles, it seemed like they got steep cliffs that went down into the water. So I was taking all all this in while I'm floating in outer space, just off the planet, just I'm going, my God. And then up in the sky, you can see the galactic center. You can see all the stars trapped in the black, the the black hose gravity. And you can see, I mean, it's in their sky. You can look at it and there was, man, it was, you think there's a lot of stars in our sky. Mm -hmm. When you get close to the galactic center, man, there was like stars like you've never seen. Yeah. So I was like taking all the things going, my God, my God, my God. And then I thought I was looking at the sun, but what I thought was the sun, after I looked at it a little more, I think is their moon. It was the sun shining off the, one of their moons. And then this planet, you could almost see it rotating. And then all of a sudden this little rocky moon comes floating by. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, I mean, it was like a little, 
it was like barely even round and it was floating by like it was a small moon that went floating by between me and the planet. And I was sitting there looking at this going, my God. And I'm doing this. Well, I'm doing this forward flip, taking all this. I'm going, this is important. Take it in, take it in. And so uh, when I started, my head started coming up. I said, okay, you know, I can't really see the planet and the other stuff now. So I'm looking back the other direction. I said, okay, now I can see what, where I came from. I can see what I just came out of. What was, I come out of a ship or what? Mm-hmm. As I started coming back up, I could look at where I just came from. And it was a per- perfectly square black box that almost looked like crystal floating in an outer space with not a light on it anywhere. Just perfectly black square box. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, my God, you know, there's. It's, and then, you know, the other day, the, it was funny because the military jets off the coast of Florida, one of them filmed a black box flying by. And I'm going, yeah, I know what that black box is, you know. <laughs> And it's one of the videos that everybody's looking at. You know, it's like the black box went right by the jet. And I'm going, yeah, I know exactly what that is. In fact, I've been in one. They just put it wherever they want you. They put it wherever they want it. It's, yeah, it's like a, it's a Stargate. Oh. And they put this thing right there and they just like, they can come right wherever it's at. And they just move it, you know, oh, wherever wow. they want to go. Oh, that's interesting. With, I guess when you go through it, you end up in maybe in a black box off their planet. I don't know how it works really, but I know, I know I was floating. I was floating in zero gravity, doing taking all this stuff in, and I was starting mm-hmm. to get sick. I started to feel sick to my stomach, man. And uh, and what, finally, one of the aliens grabbed my shoulder, and pulled me back in my room, and I was <laughs> thank God because I thought, oh my God, I I I had a feeling that I I. Uh, I probably wasn't supposed to step out of the box. I was probably just supposed to look out of the box. But right. when I walked out of the box, I thought I'm screwed, man. I'm stuck in outer space itself, some galaxy God knows where, doing a head flip, you know, from now to eternity. Uh-huh. And I didn't feel cold. I didn't need air to breathe. But like I said, you're not in your human body. It's your physical consciousness that's existing outside your body. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't feel heat. You wouldn't feel cold. You wouldn't need air. You wouldn't. Maybe you couldn't die. I don't know. But. Right. I'm glad they grabbed me. They pulled me back in. That makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, and anyway, they they start they started bugging me for uh, they wanted a genetic sample. They started bugging me for a genetic sample, right. and I'm like, you know, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, I'm happy. I said, I, and I told them I'd do anything. I said, whatever it takes for the people in my world and the people in your world to come to know each other. I said, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to help you do whatever it takes. Right. One second. And they said, we really need a genetic sample. One second. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. Before we get into it, just make sure we keep it PG so I don't get my podcast deleted. (laughs) I think I know where you're going. (laughs) It can go go deep in the details, but we don't got to go that far deep into the details. Right, yeah. But anyway – they got their genetic sample, and mm. and the the part the, the other part that comes up that happened this year in uh, February 2020 plays into that because I I wondered what are they doing with it. And she told me she said that you know you're she said you should be you know excited that you're you know you're, that your seeds are going to be are going to are going to start new worlds and stuff like that. I'm going, well, I said, yeah, but it's kids. I'll kids. I'll never meet and worlds. Mm-hmm. I'll never see. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, I looked at them, you know, and they kind of looked like, oh, that's too bad. You know? And, 
but anyway, I said, we got to go, you know, it's time for you to go back. And so I, I'm over here and my body said, okay, well, how do I get back in this thing? You know, mm-hmm. I, y'all had to pull me out. I don't know how to get, and she goes, just lay on top of yourself. You should. And, and so I laid right on top of my sleeping body and I just laid there. Nothing happened. Well, I looked over and I'm like, I'm thinking in my brain, I'm going, man, well, I'm not very good at this because it ain't working. I thought, man, I'm trapped. I'm not going to be able to get back in it. And she goes, no, get up, stand up. And then she said, okay, now leap on yourself. And so I leaped on myself. And this time it felt like I fell six feet. And as soon as I hit the bottom, I woke up in bed. And when I woke up, I opened my eyes in bed and the room looked identical to the way it looked just a few seconds earlier. Except I couldn't see them at all. And they was, I knew, I had a feeling they were standing right there beside my bed. I even waved at them like, thank you, you know. Because the room looked identical. My wife was wearing the same clothes. I seen her walk through the to, through the bathroom in, mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So, and they said, and also when I was going through the wall, at one point I felt a two by four going through my right shoulder because I had to, I had to move through it. So. I thought, well, you know, everybody's going, well, you're just dreaming, Ronnie. It's just a dream. I was like, I'm, I don't have dreams like this. Mm-hmm. I got my stud finder out. I started, mo- I said, now think, there's a two before went through my shoulder inside this wall. I said, I have no idea where the studs are at in this wall. I got my stud finder out and right there, I said, I went through right here with my face and then I moved the stud finder over right where my right shoulder would have hit. There's a stud Ooh. inside the wall. That's amazing. Let me ask you a few questions here. You guys don't sleep in the same room, or does she sleep in a different room than you? Are you a snorer? No. Yeah, I was. I was working. I was working nights. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I was working nights. So she's she's already up. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. You know, she's been up since about seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I was in the bed by myself, but we sleep in the same bed. <laughs> oh, okay. So she had already been awake. Okay, that makes sense. And then. Yeah, it was like 9 o'clock in the morning, and normally I wake up when I'm working nights at about 11 a.m. All right. Try to um, get as much sleep as I can again the next night. All right. So it's, I it's, sleep as late as I possibly can. That makes sense. It sounds like you ended up siring some children. Can you guess? you have any idea how many children they think they created from you and, and where they are? I don't know anything about the children, but I, I know – one of them was talking to the other one and she said something about, she said the clone, she said, put it in the, you know, make sure to save some for enough for the cloning program or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, Oh, cloning program. They're... And then I, and like I said, after that, I didn't see anything for, man, it was like, I seen some UFO lights, but they, it was almost like they were popping in just to say hello. And then mm-hmm. I never seen nothing amazing. Like I ha- had seen, Mm-hmm. Just it was just a blinking light and it appeared up close to me and then it flashed out and then gone. And so for two years, I almost didn't see hardly anything. Right. So I thought, man, I guess they're done with me. I don't know. Do February th- 2020. I was going to. What ask. they did was they took they took that genetic sample. They made a clone. Okay, so they cloned you. They made a clone of my body. They cloned me. Part of it they cloned. They made a clone of me. Okay. In February, they pulled my body out. From here, and they put it into the clone there. They and they pu- they pulled your consciousness out of your body and put it into the clone. Is that what you're saying? Right. Wow. Yeah. 
in an alien planet, God knows where. God knows where it's at. Mm-hmm. And, and when they, all I know is when I didn't, I didn't feel anything except when I woke up. I woke up and then there, I was in like an operating room, and I know I was falling into the stuff. And there's this doctor that was really angry. He said, "You got to get him out of here," because I was bumping into some of the medical equipment. And this angry doctor said, you got to get him out of here. Well, they escorted me out. Of, this is like a medical tent looking thing. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of this medical tent looking thing. And there was these two guys. I don't know. I don't, they, were, they were young. They were young guys. And I thought they were like orderlies or something like that. They was helping walk me out. Two young stout guys. And, uh, and then one of the. And one of the people that was in the surgery room that had all the, she had all the PPE on. It seemed like she was wrapped up and stuff. Like you, all I could see was her eyes, but by the size of her eyes, I could tell that she was a hundred, hundred percent alien. She was okay. not, definitely not human with eyes that size. And, right. and it looked like the same alien that I had seen from the visit in 2017, you know? Right. Let me the stop you here. Yeah, the female cat alien is the one it looked like, but I couldn't see her nose because she she had her face covered because they had they had they were covered while they were in that surgical place. But anyway, they led me out, and I was and my legs would work, and then they would stop working, and then I fell to the ground, and it, when I fell to the ground, it hurt when I fell, man. I hit the ground hard. I was flopping on the ground like a fish. My arm would work, my arm wouldn't work, my leg would work, and finally she came over. And she said, "Look, just be still." She said, she said, your, she said, your nerves and stuff have to align. She said, you'll be all right. You just need to be still for a minute. And so I, I sat there and then all of a sudden everything started working. My hands, my fingers and everything started working. And I thought, okay, yeah, you know, I think I'm good now. And so they helped me stand up and, you know, I could stand up. Well, for the, there's this, there's an, there's another guy there and I could tell, but these two young, I thought these two young strap, strapping guys, man, they were like, I don't know. I thought maybe they were clones or orderlies or something, but you know, maybe they were other clones of somebody else. I don't know, but they were there. They, they seemed really anxious to help all the time, but they didn't seem like they were really, you had to really go into detail to what you wanted them to do. And once you did, they were more than willing to jump on it. You know, they were almost too eager to do what, do whatever you asked them to do. But they did. But you had to go into every. You had to go into specific detail, and so I figured that they had to be like some kind of clones themselves or something. And anyway, there's there was another. There was a white guy there, heavy set guy, about fifty five years old, and uh, and he had a weird accent, and uh, and he said his name was Jonathan Buells or something like that, mm-hmm. and he's from South Africa, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going. I, I, I'm starting to put two and two. Like, what are you doing? I'm, you know, these are aliens, and what are you doing here? Okay, right. I said, what are you doing here? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, he said, I guess you, he said, I guess you figured out that we're not on Earth. And and I said, uh, he said, look at that sun. He said that'd be your first clue. And I looked up at the sun. It was in a broad daylight. Now you have to feel like there's rolling hills with grass. There's these white houses that look like fifty styles houses, maybe two hundred of them. Not one tree anywhere, but this rolling hills like you might be in, uh, I don't know, like Kansas or someplace where they got grass and hills, no trees. I didn't see not one tree, but uh, they got these houses. They got white picket fences around them all. They got roads that run between the houses. 
And these everything's immaculate. I didn't see anything like anybody was living in any of these houses, but everything was well kept. And uh, and I looked around, and and the Jonathan guys going look at the sun. I looked at the sun, and our sun. You know how you can't look at it; it, hurt, it burns your eyes immediately. This sun, you could glare at it for a second, right? Without it hurting your eyes, he goes, "Look, you can stare at it for a second without it burning." Well, it's much bigger than our sun. And you can almost see the fire coming off of it. And you can actually look at it for a second or two before it started hurting your eyes. Not like our sun. And it's much bigger in the sky. And I'm going, wow. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, that's definitely not our sun, is it? Mm-hmm. And I'm going, no, it's not. And uh, and he said he's from South Africa. And mm-hmm. so we're hoping we can find the guy. You know, but, but like I said, there's so many. I don't know if he's alive. Maybe this guy died and they and they and he's there now. I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm hoping I can connect with this guy. We're looking for him. Right. Me, It'd be uh, cool if I could find this guy. He goes, I know you. That, that would, would be, be am- very cool. That would be amazing. First of all, let me catch a question here from Rock Radio TV. Actually, there's a couple questions here. The first question was, what was the sphere made out of? But you were in a box, not a sphere, right? They're they're talking about a sphere that there's there's this metal sphere that one of my UFO sightings Mm -hmm. was a mile from this guy that lives. That's that's another UFO abductee. Mm -hmm. And he has this metal sphere that that come off a UFO from from decades ago that he's had most of his life. Okay. And and he wanted to meet me because I saw a UFO less than a mile from his house. And this guy's had UFO and alien encounters his whole life. His name is Jim Marlin. Okay. And anyway, Jim, he's got this spear. He I said that's a weird looking spear. He goes, it should be weird. It, it came off a UFO. Mm-hmm. And I'm going. <laughs> I was going, Jim, are you telling me that this is like a piece of meta material off a UFO? And he goes, yeah. I said, how the hell did you come across that? Mm. He said he lived in Taos, New Mexico. He said he was the local UFO guy around Taos, New Mexico about 20 years ago. And he said, there's a, there's a guy lives in a million dollar ranch house. And he said a UFO came over to their house and scared the living heck out of the family that lived there. They, they boarded the doors because they were afraid they were going to come in after them. And he said, finally, the next morning when they had the courage to go out, they went out in their front lawn. There's, there's 11 of these big old balls laying on their front lawn. Hmm. And they called Jim out there to talk to him. And Jim went out there and, and he goes, man, he goes, yeah, these things fell off of it. I guess we don't know. We don't, we don't know where else they would have came from. And, and he, he told Jim, he said, you can have one if you want it, Jim. But Jim's had it ever since. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to the rest of them, we don't know. And Jim said that the guy came back like two weeks later demanding it back. Mm. Almost, you know, I need that back. I got to have that back, you know. And Jim said, look, you give it to me. You let me have it, you know. I don't. I want to keep it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a big Indian friend that was there. And this guy was like a bodyguard. He was, I mean, so these two big guys, they muscled up at, at each other. And, and he goes, no, you give it to Jim. Jim's going to keep it. Mm-hmm. So they had some words. And so Jim's had this thing all along. So here recently, I put it on YouTube on my YouTube channel. You can go check it out. It's mm-hmm. been, it's almost like the bet sphere. If you're if you're familiar with the bet sphere, very similar to it. Except this thing is larger. Mm-hmm. It has some mo- weird qualities where you put it. We put it on the floor and it rolled for like seven minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just for no reason, just back and forth, left and right. 
And after after it rolled for like three minutes and just kept rolling, I told one of the guys, I said, man, you know, we should be filming this. So this thing is like still rolling over there. Have you noticed? And they're going, yeah, that is odd. And so we cranked up the cameras and we started filming this thing rolling around the floor. Mm-hmm. And even when it stopped rolling, it would sit there and rock for quite a while. And you could just give it a little shove and, and it may roll another three minutes. <laughs> so. Mm. You just give it a little touch to help. And then well, it will roll for another three minutes, you know? Well, well, to answer his question, do you know or did anybody ever get that investigated to find out what the spear was made of? Now we're we're wanting to get it investigated. We've been, I've even called, TTSA has talked to me and, and they said they think it's, they wanted me to prove that it's not a, uh, I think it's a, an earthquake bearing it's like a big bearing they put in their buildings mm-hmm. uh, in earthquake areas uh, mm-hmm. but it's not it's, it doesn't it's not solid those things are solid because they hold up uh, you know hundreds of thousands of pounds this right. thing is not solid because it, it don't weigh enough to be solid hmm. and uh and it's got these metal sleeves it's got these sleeves that are cut all the way through it and and uh my machinist brother-in-law who's been in the machine business his whole life says you know for or as old as this thing is, I can't, we don't know, I don't know anything at that time that could have made a cut that precise. You can just barely feel the cut with your finger now. Wow. He said, that's a precision cut. He goes, I don't know anything that could do that. Hmm. He said, we got stuff now that could do it, but 20 years ago, we didn't have anything that could do that. Right. And so, yeah, we're still looking for somebody to investigate it. We want to x-ray it. Hmm. Now, with, Jim is very protective of it. He ain't. He don't want to just take it off that property. It's on private property. It's behind locked gates. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason he still has it is because he's so protective of it. He just, and uh, we've had Daryl Sims wanted just to hand it to him. And he said he would pay for all the investigation of it. But Jim doesn't want to let, he don't want to turn it loose. Uh, yeah, he's man, afraid I, he'll never see it again. Yeah, so I don't blame him. On 2017, you had your initial contactee with the two cat-like women. And you, you didn't see the one them. Was, and, well, one was kind of cat-like, right? Right, and that was 2017. Right. One, and what did the other? Right. The other one was female as well. And if so, what did she look like? Yeah, that she was. She was definitely the cat woman. You could see she had big hair, like human hair, but you could see the tips of her ears poking through her hair. Hmm. And then she, like I said, she looked like a beautiful woman in the face, except her nose came down to this cat's mouth. Right, and she had these whiskers that were like. Almost like they reminded me of porcupine quills that had been cut. Right. They were really stiff quills that were in her upper lip. Like, right. Yeah, I know and, that uh, one. But what about the she, other one? She what? spoke with her. She spoke English with her mouth, but she had a hard time making certain words. Like her mouth wouldn't want to make certain words, you know. Right. So what? she had a hard time speaking English. The other one was tall and kind of blue skinned, very okay. athletic looking. All right. And had this. It, it looked, I thought it was a birthmark, but it was a big ruby that was glued to her, to her cheek. She had like a diamond or something glued to her forehead. She had a tattoo on her other cheek of looked like a flower of some sort. Wow. And she had like blue skin. I drew the picture of her in one of the drawings that you see. I drew the picture of her when because I seen her up close and personal. Then I compared it to one of the actual photos I took uh, back in 2011 when the craft approached me. Remember I told you there's a white light came on in the compartment under the disc mm-hmm. and there was something standing in it. I believe it's her. 
And when you look at it, I've cleared the pictures up as much as I can. When you compare my drawing to the creature that's standing in that, that portal opening, it looks like her. You can see the ruby on her cheek. Even. Wow. So, so I'm thinking it's the same alien. Right. So then they came back three years later in 2020, right, which is this year. They came back and visited you. Yeah. Uh, you, you just got visited recently. Were you asleep again when they went to go and test you out in your clone body? How did they bring you back over there again? Uh, when it come time to leave, she said, you know, she said, she said, thank you for helping us. And then the next thing I know, I'm back. I don't know how she did it. No, I mean, it was like, well, I'm saying when they, when they got you there in the first place, when they, did they come right. to your, did they come to your bedroom again and wake you up again and say, and then, Hey, we want to show you something or. No, no. This time, this time when I when I awoke, I was in the clone body on an alien planet somewhere else, and I have no idea how they got me there. But it seemed like I was in like something laying on the floor, mm-hmm. and when they got me up, I was dizzy and drunk, and I was bumping into the medical equipment, and the angry doctor person ordered me out of the surgery room, mm-hmm. and so they escorted me out of the surgery room because I could I, my muscles and my legs and my arms wasn't working right. And I was falling into stuff. Hmm. And so, but it was like there was something there that it was almost like they, it was like a canister or something laying on the floor that they pulled me out of. Hmm. And, and when it comes to, maybe it was time so that a certain, after a certain time, I automatically went back. But it was different than that, the last time. I mean, I don't remember leaving. I don't remember coming back. I just know I was there. And and I was there not like I was before where I could walk through walls. I was physical there. And when I fell on that ground, it hurt. That's really interesting because it's like as if they cr- they created a clone body of yours to work in another dimension, and, it seems. But but according to Jonathan, the, the other objective that I was talking to, he said what they're working on is they're, they're trying to get enough genetic samples that they can make uh, make a clone that will accept like many different people. That they can take, they can take the physical of people here and transport it into a clone there. Where one clone, like I'm probably the only person that could ever use my clone there. But what they want to develop is a, a clone that could take multiple multiple people, hmm. and then you would be looking at some kind of an interdimensional uh, tourism where they could take us if we wanted to go, experience what it's like to be in their world or whatever, you know, right. physically. Awesome. It's like maybe it's too far to take us physically from here to there, but they can take us, take our consciousness from one point to another quickly. How do you know you so, were cloned? I mean, did you look at your body and realize it was the same body? Or how did you see your face in a mirror somewhere? How did you realize it was your cloned body? Well, I knew it wasn't my body because I was wearing, that body had tube socks on it. You know, I had mm-hmm. more tube socks since the 70s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had, they had these Converse shoes on. But you could tell they weren't real Converse shoes. They were like alien duplicates of Converse shoes. And the shoes didn't look right. And and uh, and then I was dressed funny. The other guy was dressed funny. And I was like, I don't dress like this. And I don't know anybody that dresses like this. You know, I don't even know where you'd find two socks anymore. Right. You know? And uh, so I, I'm like, and then and she told me, she goes, okay, you're, she goes, and she told Jonathan, she goes, she goes, this is right, you know. Say hello to Ronnie Dawson, and he goes, uh, "I'm familiar with Ronnie Dawson." And she goes, "She said, no, I mean the real Ronnie Dawson is in there." And and then the guy he like freaked out, like, 
Is that, are you in it, right? The Ronnie Dawson, real Ronnie Dawson's in here. Yeah, see, he knew clone Ronnie Dawson. Wow. He'd been around clone Ronnie Dawson, but he that's the first time I've ever been in the clone. And he was like, this is your first time? He goes, oh, man. He said, it's nice to meet you. You know, he was he's excited like he's meeting somebody for the first time then. But before, he was kind of acting like, yeah, no, I know Ronnie Dawson. She goes, no, this is the real Ronnie Dawson from back there. And he's going, oh, okay. You know, he got excited, you know, like, uh, okay, all right. You know, your first trip, right. <laughs> your first trip. Right. Uh, what, now, when, now, when did this one happen here in 2020? It was in February. Oh, February. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting that you mentioned that they were wearing like the PPE stuff like COVID stuff. I don't know if COVID really hit back then. Do you think that was just a general what they would wear anyways, or do you think they were concerned about COVID? Well, they were kind of, you know, they were doing, they brought, well, you know, we can't go into too much detail, but they had a, they had another cat woman in there that they were going to do surgery on apparently. So they were doing many things there and, uh, they were basically, you know, when I was in there and then they brought they brought a cat woman in later. And, uh, and they were going to do something to her. So they, I don't know what all they were doing, but it, it was a very much like a surgical setting. And the weird thing was when I left the surgical room, there was this, uh, there was a wall of air, like compressed air mm-hmm. that you walked through. You couldn't see anything. I mean, you walked through it and it was like the air changed. And they told me, they said, don't stand here. This is a sterile environment. And they said, move through it quickly. You know, they didn't want me. Lot, and when I broke the plane, I, you could feel the difference in the pressure rushing by me. It was like the pressure was different on, on both sides of this thing. And you just walked through it. And it was a hazy, like, wall that you had to walk through. Right. And uh, and when you pierced it, you could feel the difference in the pressure rushing by you. And they told me not to stand in it, to hurry through it. They didn't want to lose their sterile environment. Hmm. And I thought, wow. So, you know. And, and but the tent that they were operating in it looked very much like you would see like a military surgical tent, right. you know, nothing fancy. You know, you think these high tech aliens that have some kind of medical ship or something like that. No, it was just like a tent. Mm-hmm. It was like a tent set up mm-hmm. and they were inside. And but the, this one piece of equipment, I got a good look at it when I bumped into it. And it, it, it was really weird looking. It was it was a series of circles on a rod. It got smaller as it went to the tip. And I bumped into this thing pretty hard. And that's when the doctor scolded me and, and made them escort me out of the mm-hmm. surgery room. Mm-hmm. And so I got a good look at that piece of equipment. No dials, no, nothing like we would use, see on our equipment, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it looked pretty high tech and it had these knuckles that would swivel at all different angles, you know? So. Yeah. No telling what that did. How did your wife deal with all this? I mean, at the first time when you told her about it, did she think you were crazy or, or you know, or what? I'm surprised <laughs> she didn't even want to, you know. Yeah, she struggles with it. But at the same time, she's seen some, you know, I was glad when my family got to see some UFO lights finally. Because oh. they thought I was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And then one night we were driving back from a birthday party and, and the lights appeared through the windshield. And I said, and I even got it. I got it caught it on video. There was, we, there was, we seen it through the windshield and uh, on my YouTube channel, it says Dawson fan, Dawson family sees lights. Mm-hmm. And I put it up, put the video on there. 
you can see how everybody in the car got excited. We had uh, four members of our family and a friend uh, that all seen it. So we, we stayed the lights. We followed the lights for like 10 minutes. We got out and we filmed the lights. They put on a, a light show for us that lasted probably 30 minutes. And we were filming it with like four different cameras. At times, I couldn't catch the lights coming on and going off. And my daughter would catch it coming on and going off. So we had lots of cameras and lots of people. And I put a clip together uh, of the best, you know, the best stuff that we caught. And we watched it for 30 minutes. And, you know, so they kind of, after seeing that, they're kind of not quite so skeptical anymore. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm sure it should have been really tough on them. But as far as the aliens like coming and taking me, yeah, they're still having a grasp with that one. I understand it's pretty hard to buy, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. and how do how, how do I prove it? But right. one of the ways I, I have proven it is they were talking about the cat aliens having an estrus. They wanted to break her estrus cycle. Hmm. Estrus is not a term I've ever used. It's not in my vocabulary. I had no idea what it was, but I heard I heard the alien use that term. And I had no idea what the hell she was talking about. But when I came back, I, I got the dictionary out and looked it up. And uh, that's like, that's in Texas, we call it the heat cycle of a cat. The, you know, it's when the, the cats go in the heat to be fertilized or whatever. Right. And they call it the estrus cycle. I did not know that. But they, and do you ever in your dreams use words that you don't know that are not in your vocabulary? You know, I, I've never have. Right. You right. know? Yeah. I've never used words that are not in my vocabulary in a dream. And they remember, recall them enough to go look them up in a dictionary. You know, that's not something that happens. So have you ever been, you know, hypnot- I'm pretty certain that this is going on. Have you ever been hypnotized to see if you have any other things that have happened to you that you don't even remember? I know uh, the famous uh, regressionist, Yvonne Smith, we talked to her at uh, Roswell. She, she said she would be excited to do something like that with me if we could ever get the time to do something like that you know yeah that would to be see amazing. if there's some stuff that i don't remember right that, you would know? Be, that would be amazing because who knows they may have visited you many more times that you don't even know about yeah well you know i'm not quite so scared now that i've actually got to talk to them and meet them mm-hmm. before that was to scare the heck out of me when i seen the ships get close the lights come on really close to you Huge lights come on up in the dark sky for no reason and stay on for two or three minutes, you know, and it's pretty scary. But now that I've actually talked to them, met them, I'm not quite so scared anymore. All right. So you saw them last February. When did you write this book? I wrote this book in 2016 and it's an ebook. And, uh, and I thought, well, I could write the ebook and if new stuff happens, I'll just keep adding it. And Mm -hmm. so I've still, the 2020, I hadn't even got added to the book yet. And then come to find out, you can, you can get the book on Barnes & Noble. You can get the book on Amazon. You can get the book at Walmart. I didn't know that they were making printing. I didn't even know they were making printing copies of the ebook. You know? oh, wow. I had to buy my mother one. You know? My mother said, I got to have one of those. And I'm going, I didn't know we were selling printed books. You know, uh-huh. They're selling them all over the place. Oh, that's amazing. And it's just an ebook. I didn't know they could even print ebooks. You know, yeah. they're printing my ebook and they're selling. It's selling in Japan. You know, oh, I got royalty checked the other day from Japan. Okay. <laughs> so, that's awesome. That's amazing. And that's great that you can just. I mean, not, I'm not buying, you know, I'm making ice cream money. I'm not making right. a new house and new car money, you know. But, right. 
Well, you know, something's better. But I've got a chapter to add to it now. Like this last, the last chapter I've got to add to it. I'm hoping to get it done here on my Christmas holiday. I hope I can get, it's a wild story. Yeah. I think it's a great story. Um, And I'm hoping that if I can get a hold of this Jonathan guy, it would really freak me out. If I could, if we could find this guy, we're going to, we're going to look for this guy, see if we can find him. He told me he's from South Africa. I think he's 55 years old. He's married. And, uh, he didn't tell me where he lived. He told me that that he was there because uh, what they did on my clone, they did a a, a penile augmentation. Okay, and it freaked me out to realize that this thing has had had been augmented, and, and they'd done it for a reason. Yeah. And I know it's not my body, but I was, they told me that they said they said your body back there. We had to. They said we uh, had to protect our, what is that? What they, how they put it? She said we had to protect our interests. So we had to give you a little vaccination. Right. And I, and I looked at my leg up there and she goes, no, it's on the, your body back there. You know, we had to do it to protect our interests. And I'm going, and I didn't think about it, you know, but when I came back, my wife said, she goes, there's something on the back of your leg. And I looked on my back of my leg, there's this triangle in, injection points. It's like three. Mm-hmm. It's like a triangle injection point. I took a picture of it, and uh, and I'm like, and then it, I remember. Oh, hey, she told me. She said that they 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 had to give me a, a, an injection of some sort, and it was right on the back of my left leg. Is that and picture? I didn't even book? know it was there. I'd been scratched. I'd been scratching the heck out of it. No, this just happened. Yeah, this oh, just wow. happened last February. Oh wow! Yeah, I'd like to see a picture. But of I made that. sure to get a picture of it. <laughs> Yeah, that'll yeah. be great. Well, maybe they a were. Lot of my um, pictures, you can just. I, I'm saying maybe they were already. You can aware go to Ronnie Dawson UFO. Yeah, you can go to Ronnie Dawson UFO on Google, and, and a lot of my pictures just make it there for some reason or another. A lot of them are, are there, you know. So just look at Ronnie Dawson UFO on Google Images, and you'll see a lot of the a lot of the pictures, the stuff that are in the book and everywhere else, you know. So maybe they just are, shows up right there in Google. Maybe they already gave you some kind of vaccination that can keep you from, you know, contracting any type of disease. That's the way they're protecting their interest. Well, my yeah, my daughter had the COVID nineteen in my house, uh-huh. and I didn't get it. You know, so that's amazing. So uh, makes me wonder. Maybe that's what it was. It's like the protection. <laughs> or maybe if I didn't get it, it wouldn't kill me, or to right. make sure I didn't get it, or something. So right. who knows what they did? You know, right. Uh, one second, Ronnie. Something happened to your sound. Something happened to your 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 mic is coming in like uh, you don't have any bass in your voice anymore. It's all treble. Uh, now, I, yeah, sound, I don't know. We have a terrible internet signal here. It's kind of coming. The internet signal is fading. Okay, you're back now, so that's good. All right. Well, do you have any other projects you're working on besides this book? Like, are you, um, you know, are you doing anything to do any more investigating yourself? Or are you going out anymore and looking for UFOs or you've had enough? Uh, no, I, I still want to get, I still want to get to the bottom. Uh, we want to do some extra in on this metal sphere down there. And, you know, and that's got a lot of people interested. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's hard. I'm kind of the go between, between the guy who has it and the people who, are interested in it and you sadly you would think there would be people people standing in line to i figured ttsa would jump on it you know i like are you looking for better material and i got it you know and uh they seem uninterested so i was kind of disappointed in 
TTSA, you know, it's like, are you guys really interested in metal material? Either, and then it occurred to me, they either got so much metal material they don't need anymore, or they just don't believe me, you know? So, right. I think I read about your book on Amazon, either that or in your bio, that you had mentioned, or somewhere it was mentioned, that at one point when you saw a UFO, you actually called in to somebody reporting a low flying craft. Is that true? Yeah, on the, on the, on the, on the big craft that flew over me in 2011 in Coleman County, uh, like I said, that, that, this is a mothership that flew over me. I called a low craft report to the FAA on this thing. <laughs> I figured it had to be on a radar. It had to be on somebody's radar because Dice Air Force Base is about, it's about 80 miles from there. And, uh, Abilene Regional Airport is about 68 miles from there. So they're, and, and less than in Snyder, Texas, they have a 600 mile military radar. Mm-hmm. And so I know somebody had to catch it on radar. So I filed a low craft FAA report mm-hmm. and we had a conference over the phone and, um, and basically the phone conference that we had, and they had several people on it. I don't know who, who they all were, but they said, you know, they said uh, at the time said every craft in the area was, was is every known craft in the area at the time was known, was not, was located without incident. And then I should report my UFO, and that was the term they used, because I had made a point not to ever say UFO. Mm-hmm. I just described it as a very large craft that was incredibly low to the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they're they and they're, they're the ones that called it a UFO. They said I should report my UFO to Newport, National UFO Reporting Center. Wow. So I thought that's pretty wild that the FAA called it a UFO. <laughs> right. well, maybe they get enough calls where they know how to respond. I think it would be interesting for you to, I don't know if it's even possible, but one, if you could get any documentation that shows that you made that call, like if they have it within their records. And two, I wonder the day that, you know, you said that you saw the jet kind of fly around. I think it was the mothership. Yeah. It'd be amazing I mean, if you had some documentation that yeah, showed I mean, that uh, they they did do a flight that day. Yeah, I mean, I'm encouraging people to do a, a FOIA request on the on the radar information there, and I tr- did try to get some of the radar information, and they said it that it that it was the guy who looked for it said it was either missing or it was being used, but it could be it could have been being used by the FAA at the time. It could have been the, the reason that I'd filed that report. It could have been the reason that it wasn't accessible at that time, but I know that. Uh, you know, if, if somebody could look at that radar footage, a mile-long V-shaped craft has to show up on a radar, I'm thinking. There's no, there wouldn't be no hiding something that big. Right. And it's there, trust me, because not only did I see it with my eyes, I got it. I got the footage. I got 15 seconds of it. I caught the left half of it on a video on my cell phone. And a lot of the pictures that you see of the creatures and stuff like that, and the surface of that thing, has a, it's a city. It's a flying rock with a city built on the surface of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny, the MUFON lady, the MUFON investigator that came out, <laughs> she goes, trust me, she goes, this is all our stuff. And she goes, this secret, mm-hmm. secret military stuff. And I'm going, oh, wow. <laughs> I said, yeah, it is not, it's not our military stuff because I, I said, I, I, she didn't realize some of the stuff that I've seen on this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going, this thing ain't never been touched by human hand. Trust me. Mm-hmm. It is not us. It's not ours. Right. I mean, even the woman that you describe, it sounds amazing. It's like a human-cat hybrid in some way. 
Oh yeah, and when she, and when she when she took her clothes off, she had stripes all over her body, wild looking stripes, almost like zebra stripes that went around her. It was uh, and she had like felt felt like hair all over her skin. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, yeah. I, I, you could see, you can look on Google Images, Molly mm-hmm. Dawson UFO Google Images. I actually seen that picture there of her that oh, I drew. Wow. Now I'm not much of an artist. She's much right. prettier than the picture I drew. Yeah. But uh, that was the best I could do. But I, I did do pretty good on the body, I think. But right. the face, she's a, she looks a little better in the face. I, I didn't do a great service on the face because I'm not much of an artist. Well, yeah, I don't blame you. But you get a good idea of what it, she looked like. Yeah. Right. Ronnie, you have an amazing story. Do you have any recommendations for people if they come in to see UFOs or come into contact with aliens? Do, do you have any recommendations yeah. on how to act or what to do? One of the things I've discovered is that, that cameras themselves don't do well. Uh, okay. Like I said, when I tried to use a camera, it, the battery drained and it locked up. Mm. I've had better luck with cell phones. And what you want to do is don't try to get a picture of it because people, you know, people talk about bad images, bad all that people are taking UFO pictures with potatoes and stuff like that, but they don't realize that our cameras under perfect circumstances work great, but you get out there at night trying to take, trying to capture a moving object in the dark with limited lighting, you're going to get, you're not going to get a great picture. You know, if you see a great picture of a UFO under those conditions, it's probably fake or CGI, you know, it it should not be a great picture. And my pictures aren't great pictures because they're real pictures. Hmm. And, but I, but I encourage people, if you see something, take a video, not a picture. Because one of the things I did to prove I, I, I was working, there was a professor. He said, you know, he said, I'd have a better time believing your star if you could show me some stars in the sky, identifiable stars. So I, I took the picture. I took the steel frames. I took that area and I used the sky map. And then I, I reduced the, the clarity level to what it would be here in Texas. I put I put, looked at looked at the area that I was in, the time I was in, and the direction I was looking, and then I went through the still frames of the video footage, and I found where the star pattern was the same as what was there on Google Sky. So I put it right next to the UFO, and I sent it to the professor uh, in Florida, uh-huh. and he said, "Wow!" He goes, "He goes, that thing is huge, isn't it?" <laughs> He said, it's either really close or really huge. And I said, well, I can tell you it's not really close or you'd be able to see. He said, yeah, because uh, I've had people like they blew the pixels up to this. They said, we blew the pixels up in your picture to the size of tennis balls. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you fake that image, you did it but in a way that, that we could never figure out. And I said, no, there's nothing fake about it. You know? mm-hmm. That's the reason. He goes, yeah, we just seen it. They said, we took it, we took it and blowed it up and looked for fake stuff on it. And he goes, there's nothing there. And he goes, that's the original picture taken with the original camera. And I'm going, yeah, it is. It's, I ain't trying to hide a daggum thing. You know, I said, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've shared the original files with anybody and everybody. And I've even, I've even started to injure count. I had people that were wanting to debunk me say, open an imager account and we can blow your picture up. And then we can look at the pixels and see if you, you manipulate them. So I got me an imager account and I, and I put all my pictures on there. And I fell in love with Imager then because I could like, I did a, a lot of my own stuff on Imager. Like, oh yeah, I could take a, a fuzzy picture and blow it up bigger there. You know, I could do all the stuff I was wanting to do there that these debuggers are doing. So they helped me 
And I put my stuff up there so they could try to debunk me because I know it's not debunkable. I had the American Skeptic Society one time want my pictures so they could they could use it. You know, they right. could use my story to and, <laughs> and and they yeah they said there wasn't enough evidence to make a proper determination or something uh, like that. You know? They didn't want to sign off on it, but they 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 didn't debunk it either. So what about if someone happens to meet an ET? or alien face-to-face, what are your recommendations? Right. First of all, you have to realize, this is one of the pressures that I was under, is that when you're talking to an ET, you're representing every man, woman on planet Earth. And I know this. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't voice any outrageous opinion or anything like that. I try to be, you know, be helpful, be courteous, respect the request, and and uh, I, I offered to help, and then I tried to go through with it. And, and I, they put me in some sticky situations, but I have done it uh, without fussing or anything. I mean, they asked me to do some odd stuff, and I'll do it because I know the outcome of it will be good. I know the, the better relationship gets between us and them, the more likely we are to get total disclosure on who they are. Hmm. Uh, but they told me a little bit about how they found us. They found us because of our nuclear testing shot light and radiation off of their planet. Oh, wow. In other words, we punched a hole through They're like, wherever they're from is like, it's, but their space looks like our space. But I think space is like a folded blanket. Mm-hmm. And maybe our nuclear weapon punched enough light and radiation through the fabric of space that it, it, they detected it. And when they found us, and then they said they've been watching us since like the late 40s, you know, mm-hmm. early 50s. And they've been watching us for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, studying us and learning our language. And, and now, to so the people of their world, they've realized that they have enemies. They fought wars. And they, they, they were first they thought that we were maybe like uh, part of some people that had attacked them. They, had a, they were attacked to an interdimensional gateway. And, and that's how they got up to speed on that was because they were at war with these guys that would just they'd come through these interdimensional gateways and attack them without any warning. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they had a terrible war. And the, the desert area on that one planet, she told me, that was destroyed by in one of their wars. Mm-hmm. She said that's a wasteland that was destroyed by like a nuclear weapon that was used through a dimensional portal that was fired. And that's the reason when that we sent light radiation through there. And they also warned me, said one of the things we'll, they said, when we finally do uh, meet with the people of your world, we're going to tell your government that we have defensive measures set up. And if our nuclear testing sets off their defensive measures, it's not going to go well for us. Like they said, we're not taking them down. Like if our nuclear testing, sets off their defensive measures well, man ain't no telling why it would probably we'd probably pay a pretty severe price because they're probably going to be shooting some nukes through that gateway that dimensional gateway right back at us you know so mm. and they said that we're not willing to take them down we're not going to take them down you better hope they better hope that they don't trigger them right and i'm like okay that's between you and them <laughs> you know mm. so you know they're they're not they're not evil, but they're not nice. You know they're right. kind of like we are. They're kind of like people are. They're good. They're bad. Or they're both. Oh, that's interesting. You know they have the capacity of both, just like we do. Yeah. Well, Ronnie, you have an amazing story. I really appreciate you sharing it with me. Um, I wish you massive success with your book. I hope it becomes 
really big for you that you are buying houses and cars. So um, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. And hey, if they if you get visited again, you need to contact me and we need to get you back on the show so we can talk about it. Because yeah, it sounds very possible that know. they will. Oh yeah, I I keep thinking they're not. They want, and then it, then it happens again. You know, so I'm let's, thinking yes. Let's tell everybody again. Your book is called Ronnie Dawson UFO Story. It sounds like you can buy it everywhere, like uh, Walmart.com, oh, yeah. Amazon.com. Yeah. Do you have a website? No, I don't even have a website. You don't have a website. You have? Uh, do you <laughs> do you even communicate with the public per se? Like, do you have a Facebook page, or if people want to talk to you about uh, your I experience? A, yeah, yeah, I have a, a Ronnie Dawson Experience Facebook page that mm-hmm. you can go to. I have a link LinkedIn account that you mm-hmm. can you can contact me there. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, a lot of my videos and stuff are on the Ronnie Dawson YouTube channel. I think I have one million two hundred something thousand views on it mm-hmm. and so and uh, you want to see more of the stuff about the sphere the sphere everything about the sphere is there the pictures of it and uh some of the documentaries people have done with it and mm-hmm. so yeah there's a, i got a lot of stuff out there and i've done a, quite a few radio shows and you can mm-hmm. check some of the shows and other stuff and mm-hmm. and uh, the story i i never really wanted to write a book I, it was the most frustrating thing i've ever done in my life <laughs> mm-hmm. but i wanted to get it on paper Cause I'm afraid that, you know, I've had some pretty close calls and, uh-huh. and under strange circumstances, and it's almost like somebody's trying to take me out. And I thought, well, I'm going to put it on paper. Uh-huh. And that way, if they do take me out, at least they they can kill the man, but they can't kill the story. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, Ronnie. Well, I'm going to take off, but thank you so much for um, being on my podcast again. I wish you the best, my friend. And uh, you have a wonderful evening. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Later.